Welcome to the Bill Sang Podcast. My name is Bill Sang, and I got an episode for you today talking about this incident uh, on the Jeopardy show recently. I don't know who's all heard of this, but of course you've heard of Jeopardy. Uh, Jeopardy's been around, around for a very long time, and a very common category for them is the Bible, or things the Bible says, or whatever the category for the Bible happens to be. And um, very interesting question that they had, or very interesting answer, I guess, as they have on Jeopardy. And it was phrased, Our Father, which art in heaven, blank be thy name. And to the shock of the entire world, maybe not the entire world, but at least all of America, they could not find out what the blank was in blank be thy name. And, of course, if you are like me, you know the answer to that. It is hallowed be thy name. And we were we pretty upset about that. In fact, the social media world just blew up saying, how disappointing, saying, how is it they couldn't get this question? I knew that the answer to that question but let's be honest with ourselves. This is really a sign of our times. By the way, the contestants' names were Shuresh Krishnan, Laura Blyler, and Joe Sieber. So good job, guys. You guys <laughs> created a, a, a media uproar over your lack of being able to figure out that one word in the Lord's Prayer. But you know what? I'm going to cut you all a little bit of slack because this is not a sign that these people were stupid. By no stretch of the imagination are these stupid people who were on Jeopardy Rather, the, the problem was is that they are a sign that our culture has drifted that far away from knowledge of the Bible, from knowledge of our Judeo-Christian heritage. I mean, and, and that kind of surprises me that people would be surprised that they did not know that simple answer to that question, and they may not have even recognized that it was the Lord's Prayer. Now, funny thing is, I always think that uh, when I when I heard they couldn't get that part of the Lord's Prayer, I thought to myself, you don't really even necessarily need to be religious to figure that out. I mean, after all, if you've seen the movie Christmas Vacation, you remember that part when they're in the car, they're underneath the truck, and Ellen's saying the Lord's Prayer. I mean, she amends it a little bit. She says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And forgive my husband. He knows not what he does. So you don't even necessarily have to be particularly religious to know the answer to that question. It's Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Meaning praised, essentially, be your name. Now, we can give these people as hard of a time as we want. But I bet there's probably a whole bunch of questions related to the Bible, related to church, that you probably all couldn't answer yourselves. That those people who are mocking them probably couldn't answer themselves. And that's a problem. In fact, I have been touting some statistics. I'll rattle those off real quick, and then I'll tell you what I recently found. Um, The statistics that I am most familiar with is that of Americans, 4% have a biblical worldview. 4% of Americans have a biblical worldview. You've heard me say that statistic before. Of those professing Christians, 9%, 9% have a Christian worldview. And included inside of that statistic is that the majority of that 9% that claims to be Christians that have a biblical worldview, with most of them, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference between them 
and a non-Christian based off the way they live, based off the things they said. And these are people that are supposedly born-again Christians. Now, I couldn't find this statistic, but I've heard a pastor use it in a sermon, a reliable pastor use it in a sermon. And what he said was that, I believe it was 7% of people that go to church actually read their Bibles. Now, it's either 7% or 1 in 7. Either way, it's pretty bad. It's pretty horrendous for people that go to church that so few, and I, I do think it was the 7% number, that so few people that go to church actually read their Bibles. And we're surprised that these people did not know the Lord's Prayer, or at least that one word in the Lord's Prayer. Let me read to you now the recent statistics that I looked up. And mind you, what I found is that still 4% um, of people in America have a biblical worldview. I didn't quite uh, see amongst those. I think it said something like 30% of Christians. So it's, it's different sources, I believe. And so it's uh, uh, sourced a little bit differently. Um, or maybe it's possible that the numbers really did go up. Maybe there aren't as many Christians and thus more Christians have a biblical worldview. So I want to say it's like 30% is what it was saying. But <clears throat> here's the breakdown. 1% of adults. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll use that one last. So <clears throat> adults, 65 and older, 8% have a biblical worldview. Okay, only 8% of 65 and older. So we can say that, well, it's the younger generation that they don't have a clue what they're talking about. They're the ones that are lost and hopeless. Well, 8%, 65 and older folk, that's not a big percentage. I'm sorry to tell you that. 50 to 64 5% have a biblical worldview. That's even lower. That's not all that fantastic. So you can probably guess when I get to between 30 and 40 years old, 3%. 3% of 30 to 40 years 40 year olds have a biblical world view. Now, here's the one I was just about to give you, and that is adults under the age of 30. You probably heard the number already when I kind of slipped. 1%, 1% of adults under 30 years old have a biblical worldview. And this is a very recent study. It was February 28th of 2023. I believe it was a Barna, but regardless, the article I got it from was uh, ArizonaChristian.edu. I'll try to post the website link for you once I post this video so you can read the article for yourself and get a better breakdown of it. So that's what we're looking at here. So 1% 30 and under, that is actually a horrifying statistic. How did we get here? <clears throat> well, I'm going to start off by saying I think that it goes back quite a ways. And again, we put a lot of blame on the younger people for not knowing the Bible, for believing bizarre things. But, you know, again, 8% of people 65 and order have a biblical worldview? My oh my. We've dropped the ball a long time ago. And my wife and I, I'll put it like this, because we have seen the writing on the wall, because we have seen what has been happening in our country, <clears throat> what we've seen happening, 
within our education system, we decided that we are going to homeschool our children because we knew better, and I'm not trying to make it sound like that we're better than anybody. I, I know people uh, that have wonderful families that believe in God, believe in Jesus, that, are, that go to the public school. Nonetheless, that's a minority of people, by the way, and it takes a lot of intentionality from the parents to make sure that that happens. The majority, though, where do you think this 1% of adults under 30 having a biblical worldview comes from? Where do you think this 3% between 30 years old and 40 years old comes from? And it's because parents are not instilling their values into their children. Instead, what they're doing, they are sending their children off to the public school system and allowing them to give them their worldview. They're going to get it from somewhere. They're either going to get it from us, the parents, or they're going to get it from strangers that work at the public school system. You don't know what their values are. You think that they're teaching your children things that are going to prepare them for life, when in reality, they're really just receiving a full-fledged indoctrination. And that wouldn't bother me so much. To tell the truth, that, that really wouldn't bother me so much. You can do with your kids what you want to do. We'll do with our kids what we want to do. And that's actually the part that bothers me a little bit. Uh, because, you know, every now and then... I personally like having those conversations where I share with somebody, and I've had some recently where I shared with somebody that, well, we homeschool our children. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, these people always have the same inclination. They always want to say, well, you know, the problem with homeschooling is that your kids need a social life. Your kids need socialized and I think to myself, did I ask you for any sort of information? Did I ask you for your opinion on the topic? Did I ask you for any advice about how to raise my children? But I'm pretty quick to uh, hit right back and say, you know what? I grew up around homeschooled children. My youngest brother, he was homeschooled. And homeschooled people, quite frankly, are the most social people you'll ever meet. Now, I'm not saying all homeschooled people, but quite frankly, I feel like uh, from my experience, those people that I knew, that I know, who are homeschooled are more social than those who are in public school, especially these days, because these days at public school, what do you do? Well, you constantly have a tablet in front of you teaching you instead of the teacher in many cases, and uh, you're, you're not really learning social skills at all. You're learning how to learn from a screen, more or less. And I'm not saying all the time. I mean, and, and again, you have your exceptions as well. And again, I credit the parents with that, that they are putting a lot of effort into parenting and good for you that is fantastic so keep up the good work there in those cases um, but uh, you know going to public school doesn't ensure that your kids are going to have a good social life or good social skills in fact I've found it uh, very common that when we're amongst a group of kids my wife and I can very easily point out the ones who are homeschooled versus the ones who are not, or that are at least private schooled even, because private school is a nice alternative as well. Um, still, I would still caution people there because you're still sending your children out to be taught by people that you don't know. But nonetheless, again, I'm not here to tell you uh, what you should do with your children. My uh, my plea is that you stop telling us what to do with our children. <laughs> and uh, my wife, she's the one who seems to encounter it more often, and people seem to be, I don't know, more rude with her when they get talking to her about homeschool because she is actually the one who does the majority of the homeschooling for our children. And uh, she will oftentimes 
like recently she had somebody who was kind of interrogating her about what they do for homeschool and just uh you know asking as though that it's some sort of a weird practice asking as though it's, as though it's some sort of a cultish practice and what was it it was something and so my wife simply said uh well you know um we teach our we we homeschool our children because our homeschool curriculum includes god the public schools have kicked god out of the curriculum and no matter who your children are, no matter who the parents are, that's a fact. I mean, by and large, public schools have kicked God out of the curriculum. Uh, God is not in the curriculum, period. Uh, some of the teachers might be godly teachers and might, in some ways, be able to share their faith with them. Um, but by and large, God has been kicked out of the public school system. And my wife was telling this person that, well, we want to be able to instill those values into our children, that we believe in God, that we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And the person's response was something along the lines of, well, but they do teach the Bible in schools these days. After school, there's after school programs that teach the Bible uh, to children. And let me, yes, sort of. (laughs) I need to correct something with that real quick. It's not, in all due respect to the schools, I'm, I'm appreciative to the schools for, I guess, allowing these programs to take place. Um, I actually participate. I volunteer for one of these programs that teaches the Bible to public school children. It's a great program. And I'm not going to get them involved with this. I'm not going to mention their name. I'm not going to mention any of the names of any people involved. It's a great program. And yes, we do teach the Bible to public school children during the school hours. However, that is not the public school teaching children the bible in fact again all due respect to the public schools i'm very grateful that they allow us to be able to do it during the school day however being realistic here it's not the public school that's teaching the bible in their classes or even on their property in fact the stipulations that exist are that uh, we are not allowed to teach the bible or uh, i guess proselytize or share god with the public school students on school property okay so that's number one we aren't allowed to share on school property we're not allowed to teach on school property and number two is we can't even advertise on school property so like a flyer or something we're not allowed to do that we cannot promote the program at the school now a good number of people are aware of the program because of public advertising because uh people have done a very good job the people in charge have done a great job at making it known to the people and number three, and I think this is very important to know, I, I want everybody to know this. This is very, very important for you to know. And this isn't in every single case, and this isn't every single person, but do you know who is running this program to teach the Bible to public school children? By and large, homeschool parents. Homeschool parents. That's who's teaching public school children the Bible in these programs that have arisen. I don't know if it's all across Ohio or if it's just where I live. Uh, and uh, most of them are not huge programs right now. There are some around here that are really big and really successful. And we're still building some of the other ones. Uh, we're very hopeful for that. But don't give I mean, credit due where it's uh, where it's deserved. The public schools are allowing us to teach the Bible during school time hours 
but it's got to be off their property. We can't advertise on school grounds. And once again, like I said, the people by and large that are in charge and running and facilitating um, these public school programs uh, to teach the children the Bible are homeschool parents. Um, and again, there are not, not necessarily all of them are homeschool parents. Some of them um, have children in the public school system as well or grandchildren in the public school system as well. Um, so I'm not trying to slam that at all, but I'm trying to help you to get an idea of who it is that's trying to teach your children the Bible. That I don't want you to have this misconception that there's all these teachers that want to reach your children, reach your children in the name of the Lord. That's just not true. There are some. There are some that really, really do. But that is not who's spearheading the initiative to reach your children. It is those who actually do not have children inside the public school system, by and large. And it's because they have a heart for your children. They want your children to know the Lord. They want to help you teach your children about Jesus because they know of the problems in the public school systems today. They know that there is a government out there that thinks that you don't have the right to teach your children what you believe. They be that There's a government out there that does not believe that you should have a right to raise your children the way that you want to raise them. And they have made efforts to make sure that you can't and to make sure that it's their worldview and their agenda that is first and foremost on your child's mind. So when they grow up, they will depart from this silly church stuff that you might do on Sunday mornings. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to your children, especially. And, you know, if you happen to meet somebody who's homeschooling their children, don't look at it as something that they are looking down at. And that's the part that bothers me the most. I don't go out of my way when somebody tells you that their children are in public school to say, well, you know, the problem with public school is, you know the problems with public school. You know the problems with public school. And so you need to make a strong effort to make sure that your children don't fall victim to the system that's in place to make sure that your children don't believe in God by the time they're out of there. To make sure that your children are pursuing God when they're out on their own as well. It's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, my wife and I, we pray for our children because, I mean, even as homeschool parents, we know that it's not a guarantee they're going to be following the ways of the Lord. We pray they will. We think that we've set them up well. And we're going to continue to instill our worldview into them and help them learn how to reason through some of the tough questions that they'll face when they're off on their own in the world. So, I guess long story short, what I'm asking you to do, Hug homeschool parents, hug homeschoolers, help them to feel like they're appreciated, help them to feel like they're not just a bunch of weirdos who are out there who are just vainly trying to, I mean, really change the culture, change and direct their family in the right course to serve the Lord. I mean, you want encouragement like that too, right? I mean, my goodness, I can only imagine, you know, uh, being in the situation where you have to. Uh, send your children to public school or to a private school or whatever. And I, I know that it's got to take a lot of energy to be able to accomplish that. And on top of that, to be able to teach your children about God, to read the Bible to them, to pray with them, to teach them how to pray, and to do all those things on top of everything else that your busy schedule obligates you to have to do. 
we structure our life in such a way that we don't have to do those things. And I'm, I'm very glad that the Lord has blessed us with the ability to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, again, these statistics, they speak for themselves. And we don't want another generation like that. We'd like to see these statistics go up in terms of, you know, we want to see 5, 10%, 10%, 20%, 50% of adults under the age of 30 having a biblical worldview. We want to see, I don't know, we want to see a generation where 65 and plus, that it's like 90% of the people have a biblical worldview. We want to see people see the world through the lens of the Bible, not through secular humanism, not through the philosophy of secular humanism that's pushed on people through various systems that are in place in our world. So, I've gone on long enough. My name is Bill Sang. This is the Bill Sang Podcast. I'd like to thank you for being here today. So don't give these people on Jeopardy such a hard time. I mean, focus on yourselves first. And I understand it is a little bit disheartening and it's a little bit irritating that <clears throat> they did not know the answer to the Lord's Prayer question. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. Hallowed, okay? Future Jeopardy players. That's the answer. Hallowed. Be thy name. Now, once you get down further into the Lord's Prayer, uh, when it says, uh, forgive us our trespasses, well, that's a little more difficult because that could be, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins. So, uh, yeah, well, we'd be willing to cut you a little bit more slack there. I and mean, that might even start like a fight online about what the right answer should be if you went down there. But uh, nonetheless, uh, let's cut these Jeopardy people a little bit of slack because they're from a generation that does not know the Bible. So let's instead encourage them. Open up the Bible. Read it for yourself. Get familiar with the Lord's Prayer and all the other wonderful passages that are inside of the Bible. Again, my name is Bill Sang. This is Bill Sang Podcast. Have a great day.